Welcome to episode 89 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, I'm joined by physical therapist Marcy Silverberg, who specializes in women's health and pelvic physical therapy. We chat all about diastasis recti, what you need to know about it, even if, listen to this ladies, even if it's been years and years since your last pregnancy. Let's go. Hi there, Marcy. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you could join me here today. We are going to be talking about pelvic floor um, physical therapy, but before we do, I would love to learn a little bit about you. So tell me who you are and you know where you're from. Tell me about you, what you like to do for fun. Sure, sure. Well, um, I'm located in California. I'm from New York originally, and I have two young kids and we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I'm pretty busy uh, schooling them. <laughs> so your hobbies um, are schooling your kids and taking my care hobbies of your kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah, I'm getting outside, you know, and we have been blessed to have really good weather. So like getting out, going on walks. And then when I have the time, I mean, I'm a huge outdoor enthusiast. Like we've been going camping a lot, actually, since the pandemic. I would really? say my hobby is to, yeah, my uh, right before the pandemic, my husband, convinced me to get this little camper van. It's like the best decision we ever made. And so we've been doing a lot of camping during the pandemic and um, that's been awesome. It's been so like it's a, it's a van, us. but it's a camper. Yeah, it's actually, um, it, it, it's a little camper. It's called a scamp and we tow it and it's oh. got like little beds inside in the kitchen. So uh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really cool. And do you guys like to hike while you're camping? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, hiking, exploring as much as we can. And the kids enjoy it? They absolutely love it. And because we're in Northern California, there's there's a lot of places to check out. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Okay, so for those of us who aren't familiar with Northern California, if we come to Northern California and want to do some kind of outdoorsy camping, hiking thing, what's the spot we should be sure to hit? We love going to Santa Cruz. That's where we love going because it's right on the right on the beach and there's camping. But anywhere all along the coast, there's tons of things to do. And then there's the national parks. There's Yosemite, which we've been to. You know, um, there's tons of places to go. Amazing. I I have not. I've never been to Northern California ever. Oh my gosh! I highly recommend it. Yeah, one <laughs> of the days out. when we're allowed to travel again someday. Yeah, make sure I get there. So Marcy, tell me a little bit about exactly what you do as a pelvic health physical therapist. Sure. Um, Well, you know, my background before I became a pelvic health physical therapist, I basically treated the entire body, but just not the area of the the pelvis and the pelvic floor. And so now I have this special Mm. training where I can also treat this area. So what that means is, you know, you've got your pelvis and then there's this really important group of muscles at the very base of the pelvis called the pelvic floor muscles. And these muscles have, you know, they have a lot of roles for sex and continence, and they're actually part of your core. And they can get affected um, through the course of a woman or a man's life, especially around like pregnancy and childbirth. And so when there's problems with these muscles, that could present as leaking, pain with intercourse. There's a problem called pelvic organ prolapse and just the core is not functioning well. And so I just have specialized training in order to work with these muscles and understand their connections to the rest of the body. And I also treat 
the issues with the uterus and the bladder and the rectum and all the organs that live inside the pelvis. So I feel it's just made me better actually treating the entire body because now mm-hmm. instead of treating the whole body and just not this area, I treat that area too. So that's how I see it. And how did you decide to get into this particular specialty of physical therapy? Through my own issues, which is um, how a lot of women tend to get into it. So I, um, when I was pregnant with my son, so this was now nine years ago, I found myself looking for a physical therapist that specialized in this because I had these weird issues where I would wake up in the morning and I like couldn't walk. Like I couldn't put weight on one of my legs and then it would oh. get better as the day went on. Wait, what would yeah. happen if you try, like you physically couldn't hold yourself up or what would happen? Yeah. Intense oh. pain, like intense pain on like one side of my pelvis where this uh, joint is called the sacroiliac joint. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand it. And, um, but then it would, go, it would, I would walk it off. It would kind of go away, which is kind of funny because sometimes pregnancy pains present that way. Mm -hmm. They kind of come and go. And then it happened again after I had my son. And then I developed this condition called diastasis recti. It's um, an abdominal separation that can happen sometimes during pregnancy. And so I, as a physical therapist, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't specialized in how to work with this, but I was very curious about it. And I had all these questions about it. Like what exactly is going on with me and how do I fix it? And why did it happen? And if I have another baby, because I was planning to, is it going to happen to me again? And so I just started researching and taking classes and like figuring out how to put myself back together again and rehabilitate myself. And then in the process of that, I just discovered this, this specialty field and all the other issues that women have. And I found mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of women like me that are like looking for answers and have these issues and don't quite know what to do about it. And I found out that, you know, a few of these issues that I treat in addition to diastasis, but leaking and everything else, they're actually really common issues that women don't talk about because they mm-hmm. feel ashamed about, but then it really affects their quality of life. And so as I learned what to do about it, I just felt more and more impassioned about learning more and directing my practice towards working with women with these issues, which is exactly what I do now. So tell us some more about, I always say this word wrong. Is it diastasis or diastasis? It's diastasis, right? It's either, I've heard it diastasis or diastasis. Diastasis, diastasis. How do you say it? I say diastasis. Okay. We're going to go with diastasis. I can never remember (laughs) diastasis. Okay. Diastasis recti. Tell us more about that. What is it? How did you first realize, like, what were your first symptoms of it? What is the, tell us, kind of give us a brief overview of it. Yeah. So it's an abdominal separation and the way I figured out that I had it it is very um, classic. So what happened was I um, was cleared at six weeks to start exercising and I knew I needed to work on my core, you know, cause I had these issues before with pain. And so I started just doing some exercises to say I'm doing like a harder exercise, like a plank. And I look at, down at my belly and I'm like, what is that? Looks like an alien. It just looked like there was like a baguette laying on my stomach from the top to the bottom where the skin was kind of like pooching out and I didn't Mm. have that before and you look at it and you're like what is that I did not have that before and like Mm -hmm. what can I do to make that go away and then also when I'm like getting in and out of bed you see it 
And then so I start doing exercises to try to make it better. And the exercises I was doing at the time weren't helping. But to answer your question, what, what it is, is the abdominals, they separate a little bit. So, you know, a lot of people know that uh, the rectus abdominis, that six pack muscle, mm -hmm. well, there's this like uh, band of tissue in the front of the belly. It goes from right below the rib cage and then it goes all the way down and connects on the pubic bone and it's called the linea alba and it's fascia. And it's meant to stretch during pregnancy, but what happens is it just gets overly stretched. And then so what, what that band was that I was looking at or that pooching was that when I was doing exercises, my body wasn't developing tension because that area was thinned and separated abnormally. And my body wasn't developing tension there. And so it was kind of like poking out. And so what it looks like is it's, it, you feel like you look like you're still pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened to me was I lost my pregnancy weight, but I still had this, this belly where I looked like I was like four months pregnant or so. Interesting. Now, is it painful? No not painful. So it's just how it, how it looks. Can you feel you, can you feel it with your hand? Yes, you can feel it with your hand, depending on what you're doing. So when you're doing something challenging to the muscles, that's when it will poke out and you can kind of feel it with your fingers. And that's how you can test to even see if you have it. So if you do like a little sit up and you see it, or you might even not see it, but you kind of put your fingers in that area and press, <laughs> then you could feel the edges of the muscle. So what you should feel if you do like a little sit up and you press on your tummy, you should feel tension or firmness like mm -hmm. a trampoline. That means that your body is, you know, not only are your muscles contracting, but along that tissue sheath, your body is developing some appropriate tension there. So when your body doesn't do that, you, you might see the doming and then you feel the edges of the muscle and like a sinking in and softness instead of that firmness. And... Is it preventable in any way? That's such a good question. Um, it's normal to a degree. So what I discovered is it's actually, it's actually a physiologic and normal process. So research shows that at like 35 weeks pregnant, literally 100% of women have a diastasis at that point. So, cause it's normal, right? When you get pregnant and your muscles stretch mm -hmm. that this sheath does get stretched out. Now, like by around six weeks postpartum, for many women, it just will close up on its own. They don't need to do anything specifically to make that happen. Just they're the lucky ones. And then there's about like 40% of women or so. I've read different numbers, 30, 40% of women where it just doesn't close up on its own. And then those women would need to do rehab or something else to work on. That's a really high percentage. It is. It I did is not know it was that common. Interesting. That's the thing about a lot of these things that I treat. They're surprisingly mm -hmm. common. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And can it be fully healed? Does it get to a point where you had a, di a diastasis and now you do not have it present? So it takes a little, it takes a little explanation. So you should know that it is normal to have a diastasis to a degree. So it's considered normal to have, like I explained how you could put your fingers in there and you could feel the gap. So up to two and a half finger widths is actually considered normal. And that's a really important point because I think when women hear about this, they can get a little bit like, 
obsessive, like, and I, I understand that I was this way too, like wanting that, wanting it perfect, right? Wanting everything back together. But there is a certain degree of gap that's considered normal. And some women have a gap even before they're pregnant, but most women wouldn't know because they don't think to test themselves before mm, they're pregnant mm-hmm. to see if there's a gap even in the first place. And so um, for some women, when you do rehab, it, it does come back together to a degree. And um, it varies for different women, how much it comes back together. And I'll also say that um, the distance of the fingers is actually not even as important as that tension that I mentioned. Mm. So there's a lot of interesting things about it. Like as it starts to heal and we focus on developing tension, research has showed that as the muscles get stronger, there might be more tension, improved tension, yet more gap. So if we focus on healing the gap and getting the muscles to approximate, that's actually not even a good measure. Interesting. So it's the tension that's the main point. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the tension that's the main point because that means that the muscles are responding appropriately and you're getting good um, like force closure in the front of the abdomen. So it's the tension that matters. Now, if... um besides the aesthetic piece of it, like maybe a person just doesn't like how this looks, what are the other um, problems that come with having one that is too big? So that's another interesting question because the research about diastasis is actually, it's just coming out. It's not super strong. So the diastasis has been associated with back pain and with pelvic floor dysfunction. And I say associated with it because pelvic PTs, we often talk about that it's important to fix a diastasis because it could be causing back pain or pelvic floor dysfunction or other issues. But the research, the evidence doesn't actually show that. But I definitely see that in practice. So um, if someone has a diastasis and they're looking to improve it, right? which we definitely want to do, it could, you look at the pelvic floor and a lot of times the pelvic floor is weak too. And so in rehabbing the whole system, we're preventing other issues, you know, or someone with a diastasis might have other issues relating to the pelvic floor dysfunction, like leaking or something else. So I definitely see it associated with other issues. If your core is not strong, that can have a lot of like down, downwind effects. So someone could have I've seen people with like a weak knee, like a knee pain, let's say, or a weak hip, and then ultimately their core is weak, you know, and they have a diastasis. So if your core is weak, that's the center of your body, you can have other problems up and down the kinetic chain that are related to a weak core. So it's definitely important to rehab it, although the, the, the clinical evidence doesn't prove that, you know, what I see clinically is that it's definitely important to rehab it and have a strong mm. and functional core for life and for whatever activities we're doing. Is there a certain window of time that a woman has to work on healing this after she has a baby? Or is it something that let's say, you know, one of my listeners is listening and she's like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 45 and I had my last baby 10 years ago and I have this. Is, is, is it too late at any point to work on um, healing this? Absolutely not. It is never too late to work on it. And I see that a lot. I see women that never really did rehab after they had their baby and then they're coming in for rehab and now they're like 50 and they have, you know, you name it, a hip problem. They have leaking and then we find that the core is weak and it never was really rehabbed. Mm. It's never too late. We go back and rehab it 
then the body remembers and just kind of holds on to it until we get to it. I have to say, I had never even heard of this when I was having children. So my kids are all older now. I'm 50. Mm-hmm. My youngest is 15 and a half. I had never mm-hmm. heard of this term until several years ago. And so is this something that is just becoming more like that women are becoming more aware of it? Or is it just happens that you think it maybe just in, I just didn't happen to know anybody with it. Um, or do you think that a lot of women are just now becoming aware that this is, this is a thing? women are just becoming aware of it. Absolutely. So the whole field of pelvic floor physical therapy is really growing now. So there were definitely pelvic floor PTs that were treating this problem in like the eighties, let's say, Mm -hmm. but not a lot. And now there's more and more pelvic PTs and we're talking about these things. So women are starting to learn that like, if they're leaking, after having a baby that that's not normal and that they should get treated Mm -hmm. for that. And that if they have this issue called diastasis, that there's people like me who are trained to help them with it. And so PT is like, we're getting out there, like we're doing podcasts and we're doing blogging and we're on social media so that we can talk to women that these things do happen and that there is treatment for it. So they don't have to just deal with it. So um, there's just, your people are probably just hearing about it a lot more lately. And that's a really good thing. And so if someone is listening right now and they're like, oh, this sounds like me, whether they recently had a baby or it's been 10 years or somewhere in between, what should they do if they're like, okay, yes, this is me? Yeah. So I think the best thing to do would be to work with someone like me, who is a physical therapist and is trained in working with this. And there's also, you know, um, personal trainers that are trained in working with women postpartum. Um, So finding someone who has the training and the knowledge in this area. And there's some websites that I can point you to, to find somebody or just finding a good local women's health PT. You could, um, even if you just go to your like local PT clinic and ask how do they treat this condition or who Mm -hmm. do they refer to that has training in this? Um, Or you could look at, there's some websites I could point people to to find someone with the training. And so if someone was going to come to you for this, Mm -hmm. give me a general idea of like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about exercises or what is the, the, the gist of the treatment? Mm -hmm. So I look at everything. So when I work with someone and they're, they're coming to me with this problem, I want to know everything about what's going on. So the way I start with people is I do an evaluation and I have to fill out some paperwork. So I want to know what else is going on. Like if they're noticing they have a diastasis, are they having back pain? Are they having any pelvic floor dysfunction? So specifically, are they leaking? And this could be like bowel or bladder. Are are they leaking? Are they having pain with intercourse? Are they having a feeling of like dragging in the vagina? What other orthopedic conditions do they have, right? So we mentioned if you have this, there might be other issues up and down the chain, knee issues, hip issues, anything else going on. And then I'm going to evaluate them and I'm going to see, so treating this is not just about exercise. It's really like a whole body approach. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to start and I'm going to look at how does this person stand, right? Like if I have a mom who just had a baby and she has a diastasis and she's still standing like she's pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Which a lot of women might do. She's putting pressure on the front of her belly, right? And causing kind of leading to more of that like split, more of that feeling of pressure in the front of the abdomen. Mm -hmm. So I have to work on the alignment piece first. And then I look every single client, how are they breathing? Because I can get into this, but how you breathe is very connected to how your core works. So I need to look at these foundational things first, and then I'm going to evaluate the diastasis, and then I'm going to see what this person needs 
first. So the treatment is always going to be alignment and looking at breathing patterns. And then it's probably going to be um, looking at how they sit at the computer and how they pick up their kids and different things about how they use all the muscles of their body. And then there might be some corrective exercises to help with the diastasis and generating tension. But there might be other things going on. Like some women will have weak pelvic floors and that needs mm -hmm. to be treated in order to close the diastasis because the pelvic floor and the muscles in the front of the abdomen are very intimately connected. Mm -hmm. So that might need to happen. Some women are really tight in other muscles that connect to and, and affect that linea alba. So I have women who, when they go to like use their core, they grip with their external oblique, these muscles on the sides, and they need to learn to not do that. And we need to do some release work. So there might be manual work that I need to do to release different muscles of the body. Sometimes the, the rib cage is flared from pregnancy and I need to do manual work on like the, the thoracic spine. So I'm looking at everything above and below. I'm doing a, usually a full plan of care. So it's, it's education, it's exercise, it could be stretches. It could be, this is how to stand at your computer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's very holistic how I treat it. Got it. And what does a typical yeah. course of treatment take? So from the time somebody's like comes to see you until this is very well healed, how long are we talking? Yeah, I usually evaluate a person and get to know them in order to understand what their goals are. It's very much goal driven, mm -hmm. you know? So if I have someone who says they want to be able to just return to exercise and know what exercises to do and be on the course of healing this, because it could take a long time to heal it, mm -hmm. I might give them maybe six sessions. If I have someone else that say they have a diastasis and they're leaking and their goal is to run uh, 10 miles, right? They have more, they have um, goals that require me to train them for a specific activity that's more mm -hmm. difficult and more loading. So I might be working with them longer. So it depends on the individual, depends what their goals are and how they progress through treatment. But I would say like on average, I probably see people around six to 10 visits. Okay. But it's it. variable. Yeah. Got it. Now, besides diastasis, what, what do you think are the other like top two pelvic health issues that women come to you for? Yeah. So top two, definitely leaking is Got one. It. So mm -hmm. leaking urine. And, um, I would just say that it's very common that women leak. I think like a 40% to 50% of women postpartum are leaking to some degree. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's definitely the number one thing. And it could be presenting like I'm leaking when I cough or sneeze. That's one type of leaking called stress incontinence. Or it could be I when I get the urge to go, I just have to go to the bathroom immediately. And that's mm -hmm. called urge incontinence. And they're treated differently. Um, and, and when it comes to that, I would say any leaking is not normal and should be treated. Because sometimes women will say, well, I only leak a little bit or I only leak when yeah, I'm- Yeah, we all think grow. it's normal. I have to say, so yeah. you're my second um, pelvic health phys physical therapist I've had on the podcast. I think it has been almost two years ago. I had a woman by the name of Hannah Ross on, and mm -hmm. we talked in depth about that. I will link that episode here. And I remember saying, like, I just thought it was normal that I leaked, you know, that like, oh, of course I pee a little bit when I sneeze or when I jump. Because- every, all of my friends do too. And it's one of those things you don't realize like, oh, this isn't actually supposed to be happening and it is fixable. It's fixable. Yes, absolutely. And the earlier you treat it, 
the better. If it's been going on for a really long time, it might be a little bit harder to treat Mm -hmm. and like reconnect to those muscles. So it's important to get it treated. And the thing I love sharing with people, like I'm very passionate about treating women for leaking. It's actually, it's the number one reason why older people end up having to go into higher levels of care, like nursing homes and assisted living. It's because of the leaking and the incontinence. Yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah, and so it's so important. All right, you may may have just just... you may have just inspired me to finally make a dang appointment with a a pelvic health physical therapist because I I always thought like I should just get this I should go see somebody I should go see somebody and I just never I just never put it on my top of my priority list to do that makes it feel really important to me. Good, I'm so glad. Yeah, the fact Um, that I pee my pants when I cough and I've been sick for three months—you think it would have been important already? But (laughs) this this kind of nudges it even higher. Absolutely, and it has such an effect on quality of life. You know, like women—we're so good at like you know transferring that. Oh, we'll deal with that later. You know, because there's all these other more important things that seem on the list. But the thing is, it affects your quality of life, right? Like if you're afraid you're going to, I feel like I don't have this issue, but if I was afraid I was going to pee, then I start avoiding things, you know, and I Mm. see it all the time. Like the first client I had, like I took these courses, I learned how to do internal work. I get my first client who's leaking and her story is like classic. She's been leaking for three years. Her doctor said, unfortunately, that there's nothing she could do about it other than get surgery, which is a shame because it's fixable Mm -hmm. most times with conservative care. So she's leaking, right? So she doesn't exercise because she feels embarrassed because she leaks when she exercises. Mm -hmm. And because she's not exercising, she feels more stressed. So she eats more and then she gains more weight and then it affects her body image. And now she's not having good relationship with her husband. So Mm -hmm. it has this huge spiral effect. And I think that that can happen in lots of different ways. So it's not just leaking. If you think about like, the of impact it has on your life. It can have a long reaching impact. Absolutely. So tell yes, us one more, can... what, what's another um, top issue mm-hmm. women come to you for? Treat a lot of women with pelvic organ prolapse. Okay. So and how does that is, happen? Yeah. So with that, what it is, is you have these three organs in your pelvic cavity, right? You've got your bladder, your uterus, and your rectum, and they have their place that they live, right? And they're connected by fascia and ligaments. They stay in their place and they can shift a little bit. Um, They can shift um, downwards a little bit. And what that could look like or feel like for a woman is she'll say she has a feeling of dragging vaginally, or it feels, it feels like something's coming out of her vagina is what it feels like. It's a very uncomfortable feeling. And that's another one that is treatable most times with conservative care. So that's one that it's it's graded. It's graded from levels one to four. And when it's a four, that means it's like completely outside of the vaginal entrance. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it needs surgical repair to come back. But it's another one of those things that are progressive. And this is actually one of the things that like made me feel really passionate about working with women. So I learned that after a woman has a baby, the incident of pelvic organ prolapse, the incidence is very high. It's like 30 or 40% of women have this, but a lot of them don't even know that they have it because they might have this really mild form, like a grade one, and you don't really start feeling it until you're about a grade two. So now in my practice, typical situation is a woman calls me and she's in say her fifties or her sixties. And she says, Oh my God, all of a sudden, I feel like something's falling out of my vagina. And I go to the OB and I get diagnosed with pelvic organ prolapse and she's in a panic. 
can you help me? I don't want to have surgery. And absolutely, you know, I, I work with her. And as long as it's not severe, oftentimes I can help her with the symptoms and we could reduce the prolapse, not completely, but by a little bit. But the thing is, it's like, it's the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's this, this process was in play for a long, long time. And one day it just got to the point that she felt it. Okay, so she probably was never checked. So I check every client to see if they have any kind of pelvic organ mm. prolapse. And even if it's mild, I want them to know so they can start treating it and it, they don't end up that woman that's 50 calling me in a panic. It feels like as women, we're really disconnected from our pelvic health and what should be happening and what shouldn't be happening and what's just normal and what, even though it is common, is still not normal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I talk about this all the time and give classes about it. I just don't think that we as women are really educated about our bodies and our pelvic health. And part of it is that like a lot of women like really aren't comfortable talking about pee, poop, and sex. I'm a physical therapist that talks really openly about pee, poop, and sex. And so let's talk about like what's normal and what's not normal so that women can know if something's happening to them, that it's not normal. Certain things are not normal. They may be common, but that doesn't mean that they're normal or that there's nothing they could do about it. Mm-hmm. And so those things would be, you know, leaking and that could be urine or it could be stool feeling like something is dragging out of your vagina, um, seeing like that baguette, you know, or that diastasis when you're doing exercises. And um, the other one that we, we haven't talked much about, but is having pain with intercourse. Those are like the main ones that women suffer with and they just think that there's nothing they can do about it. Mm-hmm. And those are the main things and so what would you say to women out there listening? What's the one thing you would say, here's what I want you to know about your pelvic health. If you, if you know nothing else about it, start here. Hmm. I guess just those, all those things that I mentioned, I mean, you know, where I start, where I like to tell women about their pelvic health is I just like to start with a model and just show like, this is where, you know, your vagina is located. This is where, you know, your pelvic floor is located. And just know that, um, and I said it before, but what's, it's not normal to leak. It's not normal to have urgency around going to the bathroom. It's not normal to have pain conditions, either with intercourse or just around the pelvis and around the back. And it's not normal to feel like things are falling out. Um, physical therapists also treat women who have like really painful periods. That's another problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? We help with. Yeah. We help women who are very constipated. Um, that can be a pelvic floor issue. So we can help with dietary recommendations to help so things flow through, but that can be related to, um, bowel health. And there's things that we do for that and abdominal massage. And there's, there's lots of different things that we treat, but basically if you're having discomforts, you can, um, talk to a pelvic PT and see if there's things we could do. Cause a lot of times there's things we could do for discomforts that mm-hmm. people think are normal and definitely pregnancy related discomforts. Mm-hmm. I treat all the time that women might say, Oh, well I'm pregnant. So of course I have back pain, you know, like 90% of women right. who are pregnant have back pain, but I treat women who are pregnant with back pain all the time and get them feeling more comfortable. Like why suffer with it? You know? Yeah. We don't need to suffer. Mm-hmm. So you said something interesting back at the very beginning when we first started talking um, and I didn't bring it up then because it wasn't kind of the whole point of the podcast because my audience is women, but I was so interested and I, I mean, 
I'm sure a lot of these women have um, men in their lives they love. You mentioned women and men with pelvic um, health issues. So what kind of pelvic health issues do men have? I mean, I never thought about men having pelvic health issues, but obviously they do have a pelvis. So what kind of issues do they have? They can have pain conditions around their pelvis or around their private parts. Um, They have prostate prostate cancer sometimes. So then they get uh, rehabilitation after surgeries. Um, They can have the constipation issues. They have um, sexual dysfunctions as well. They could have things like uh, pain with orgasm. Um, Yeah, difficulties with sex, difficulties with maintaining or getting an erection. That could have to do with the the muscles and how the muscles are working down there. So yeah. Do you work with many men? I don't. I'm mostly working with women right now. Got it. Yeah. I think maybe late, later on in my career, I plan to start seeing more men, but right now I'm just seeing women. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been an enlightening conversation. I'm sure people listening have definitely learned something that they did not know before. And um, hopefully a lot of people will take the next step to get themselves some help because we don't need to be having, you know, we don't need to be peeing ourselves and having discomfort and um, just living with it and accepting it. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for coming on. Marcy, where can people find you if they want to talk to you more about these things? Sure. You can find me on the, on the internet and my website is www.marcipt.com. Amazing. Well, thanks so much. We sure appreciate your time and your expertise in this area. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational, all the kinds of ational. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much. to episode 163 of the Fitness Simplified podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. And that was Dr. Lindsay Harper. You just heard on that clip. She is my special guest today. Dr. Harper is an OBGYN in Dallas, Texas. She's also the founder and CEO of Rosie, a first of its kind app and media platform that offers personalized solutions for sexual wellness. Dr. Harper created Rosie when she couldn't find modern and accessible resources to help her patients. Dr. Harper was also named one of Forbes' top 53 women disrupting healthcare. And today we sit down and talk all about women's sexual health in perimenopause and menopause. Let's go.